You're listening to the Substandard Model. What is greater than God? More evil than the devil. The poor have it, the rich need it. If you eat it, you will die. Nothing. What you're about to hear is part two of a two-part series about nothing. In the last episode, we discussed how nothing is something that is practically and physically inachievable. No region of space in the entire universe has ever been empty. However, physicists in the last 30 years have found a way to confine the wave function of empty space such that it becomes slightly more evacuated. This has led to the proposal of strange properties such as an increased speed of light. The implications of this are insane. Can an increased speed of light lead to the creation of objects that can look beyond a black hole's event horizon? Bringing you part two. Practically, it's not useful, though, because... But practically, it's not useful. Well, at the moment, it's not useful. Well, yeah, light's fast enough, basically. Oh, but what if you put a fucking um, uh, Casimir plate, Sam? What if you put them into an event horizon? You think, like, oh, light could get out? Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's fucking dope. mad. Like, if you just feed the tube in just to the event horizon, because the tidal forces aren't actually that insane at the event horizon. You could probably I mean, create some matter that would survive on the event horizon. Could you? Oh, man. I didn't think of that. On the exact event horizon. I yeah, mean, like. You just have to. It would be like. It would kiss the horizon, you know? Yeah. Ooh. But what if you flew a thing into it? Because then it's like, okay, fine. The thing's not going to escape. But would you, for a second, receive a, a flash of light? And that light actually would be looking inside of a black hole, wouldn't it? <laughs> Why is that not possible? That It can't be possible. Uh, it really does feel like if it's there a- is like a huge boundary, a huge alien world of technology, it's going to evolve somehow changing the vacuum energy in order to manipulate the speed of light. Like that that oh, feels yeah. like if, the, if there's a, you know, like... Oh, I want to start researching this now. <laughs> I just want to draw like possible geometries of Casimir plates that could maybe decrease the vacuum energy to a more significant level. Yeah. There's got to be a way that better than two metal plates next to each other. There's got to be a way to extra limit the. Yeah, like if you place it like extra smaller objects or shapes inside of the geometry of the thing, would it restrict the wave function even more, you know? Who knows? I think, I feel like this stuff's been tried. It's a 30 year old technicality like a, a sort of fun little quirk of of an effect that was even 50 years older than that and it's it seems odd to me that it's so obscure based on how massive it seems like that's that that to me speaks to it being almost a dead end but 
I don't know. Maybe it's this kind of stuff that maybe gets sixty symbols that have done Casimir effects and black holes. The Casimir, yeah, the Casimir effect is huge. Everyone like that's 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 well known about, but the Shanhorse isn't. Right, paper. In this paper, we discover the Casimir effect in a small cavity, free falling from spatial infinity space-time geometry outside of a Schwarzschild black hole. Our main goal is to search for a possible change in the vacuum energy as well as a particle creation inside the falling cavity with respect to the co-moving observer. It's basically, can you could you create a system where you can look inside of a black hole? Oh, this that's is beautiful. so fucking dope. Because that's been basically a big, like, no, no, it doesn't happen. What, you can't look inside, inside of a black, of a black hole. hole, though, isn't it? Like, huh? Nothing's inside of a black hole, though, right? Like. No, there's it's there's going to be lots of shit in there, Sam. What do you mean? It's going to... You'd get a naked singularity. Who knows what that looks like? Sam, you realise the inside of a... Like, nothing nothing happens to you as you cross over the event horizon. It's just no one can see you from the outside. It's like a creating a little den under a black blanket. Like, everything's the same inside the black blanket. And actually, most of it's probably fine. Don't you just get spaghettified? Well, that, that happens a little later on, I think. Oh, or I earlier on. But even then, you're just you just see stringy stuff. Like it would be a beautiful stringy burning fire going into something in the middle. Who knows what the singularity looks like in the middle? But actually, in the space between the event horizon and the singularity, life would feel, I mean, imaginable. You know what I mean? There's no weird dimensional mm. shit happening. It's just 3D space. It's just you're being sucked. Huh. Like I was imagining Earth, you didn't know, I guess. The thing that spaghettifies you is tidal forces, which is sort of an interesting concept. It's not that you're being... Like, there's nothing wrong with being accelerated a lot. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, there is. The problems are when you, when when one part of you is being more accelerated than the part after you. Right. If you got know what I mean. Yeah. Like, if you're in a car crash and your entire body, all the different atoms in your body were all accelerated by the exact same amount and there was no difference in acceleration, you'd kind of be all right. Okay. If you get what I mean. Yeah, sure, sure. Because it, the problem happens when it's like your kneecap decelerates and then your kneecap hits your femur, which is decelerating now. And then your femur hits your butt cheek, which is also decelerating. And your butt cheek decelerates mm. your stomach. And everything's decelerating at different moments. And that creates rips between things because okay. something moves yeah, faster I mean, than something right. else. And then you hemorrhage and whatnot. And then you die in a car crash. Hmm. So when. The problem with the black hole is that your feet are being pulled stronger than your head. So your feet accelerate faster than your head does. And so what happens is actually, Um, from your body's point of view, your feet get pulled away from you. I see. And your legs get pulled away from you. And it's a smooth gradient of pulling away, depending on what's radially closest to the singularity, right? Which means that smoothly your legs and your feet get pulled away from you and your arms get pulled away from you and your head gets stretched and everything gets stretched and that's how spaghettification happens. But actually on the larger scales of black holes, because gravitational wells are exponential, i.e. Mm-hmm. the closer you get, the steeper you get, right? Yeah. If you're far out and it's a really giant black hole, the point at which light gets sucked in might not actually be at a point where the rate the gradient of the black hole is huge enough to spaghettify you right okay. so there I've, i can imagine a situation where you cross the event horizon and are still intact 
It says here, spaghettification is not inevitable. Black holes of different masses will have different gradients. And so with supermassive hmm. black holes, it's perfectly possible to pass the event horizon with no ill effect. Hmm. Again, this is not to say the gravitational pull isn't strong. It's just that the gradient is too, isn't too extreme. So it's the snap. It's the jerk, because the jerk's the rate of change of acceleration. Huh. If, you've got re- if you've got loads of jerk, then you'll get spaghettified, because the acceleration on your feet is much significantly higher than you, the acceleration on your head. If the jerk's not too bad, then you'll, you won't get spaghettified. If it's just really strong at your feet and also really strong at your head, you're just accelerating. Hmm. It's the problem comes when your acceleration on your feet is much stronger than the acceleration on your head, which is how you stretch people on the rack. You know the yeah. medieval torture method. They they fix your head. They don't let your head accelerate, and then they try and accelerate your feet. Hmm. How you break the bones. So wait, my my question now, I guess, is like, in um, wait, why wouldn't it rip you apart? Is it because it's curving like space as well? Like, why does it sp- stretch you rather than just rip your legs off? Because when you see pictures of it, it, you look like sort of weird. I imagine there was some space stretching going on. That's what I always visualized. Like it's curving space-time and you'll just happen to be in space-time. Here's the thing, Sam. You talk about you being stretched with space-time, but like we're currently in stretch space-time on Earth. Like stretch space-time is what causes the gravity that currently is holding me and you to the floor. I suppose you're right. So not relative to the rest of our body. Yeah. Like, it's not tidal in that sense, is it? No, but you know when you're on a fair ride and it's spinning you in a circle or something, or it's a carousel and it's going in a circle and you feel the G-force, or or when you're in a car and you feel the centrifugal force and you feel your body being squashed. (laughs) And it's like that, where you're actually, because from your point of view, you feel a force because you're not, you think you're moving in a straight line. Yeah. But actually, because you're moving in a curve, you feel the force. I would imagine it would feel similar to that. Oof. I think I think you physically get ripped apart in a black hole. Oh, okay. Because of tidal forces, I don't think you stretch with this. I do think visually, though, your your the light that comes off you will make you look smeared. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That's okay. what I'm, I really like this one a lot. I'm glad. I'm really glad. I I wanted this to be. But I want to. I want to get everything we could possibly get out of it in this recording now. So I want to like. Yeah. Okay. Can you Google throwing a Casimir telescope inside of a black hole? Well, I mean, there was something. There was something on the Wikipedia. Like Timothy Retter, he suggested using event horizons instead of Casimir plates to be like extra to like extra remove all the light, and this this would magnify the effect. And, the, and then if that were to be true, then it would mean that you've got extremely fast moving light spinning around the event horizon of a black hole. Well, yeah, but I guess there'd have to be two event horizons, wouldn't there? Uh, like, it's just like a hypothetical. Like, I guess, like, the moment before gravitational waves are created, you know, when there's, like, the orbiting black holes, maybe there's a moment where two event horizons oh, get I so see. close together. Oh, <gasps> So orbiting black holes, which are crashing into each other, the moment where the tangents of each black hole are close enough that there's one nanometer at a single point, because it will be a point (laughs) where all the energy is sucked out of free space below the zero point energy. Light could just scale through that. You'd get extremely fast moving light, would you? Or just slightly faster than C? 
That's what that's what Timothy Retter informally suggested in the letter to Shanhorst. Which I'm not I'm not considering that as a as a fact. But I mean it does feel like this quite it feels like a area of physics sort of you know deserves more attention than it's getting. I'm trying to find anything to do with black holes and um Shanhorst, but I'm not yeah. saying much. It can't be we can't be the only ones who've thought of using a shan horse as a way to peek inside of a black hole the casimir effect so yeah because it's like oh it goes faster than light where's the first time that you actually value having something go faster than light well trying to free photons from a black hole but even if you could look in a black i'm I'm just trying to think like you wouldn't free i guess you know you would free one snapshot wouldn't you yeah what would happen is you'd free the photons because uh, you know, we've got to imagine stuff's firing photons in different directions. But what happens to the photons on the edge of the black hole is they become stationary, right? Yeah. So what you would do is you put it on the edge of the black hole. You'd suck them up. Oh, dude, you wouldn't see inside the black hole. But you know that whole idea of like all the information of everything that falls into a black hole gets smeared on its surface because that's yeah, the, the last firewall. moment that it yeah, was seen. Firewall. You would be able to read that because you would just get the photons that were st- sitting stationary on the event horizon at the moment something gets That's consumed. Gross. That's grim. So you would get a random array of photons that were emitted by stuff as they go through and they hadn't gone to either side of the black hole yet, right? Would you? Would they be stationary? That's says, what I, I mean what they're saying here is they're saying photons are light like. Yeah, obviously. Light. And the event horizon is also light like, which is, do you remember those uh, uh, Penrose diagrams of black holes with the yeah. diagonal line? Yeah, so yeah. Time like yeah. and space like, exactly. and then light like oh, yeah. is the 45 degree angle. It says the event horizon it sits at a 45 degree angle. So okay. all light that travels. Yeah. From, like, what we're talking about is if you have a photon that's emitted at the moment of crossing the event horizon. Mm hmm. It will be traveling at the speed of light, and if it was parallel to the event horizon or parallel to the radial, dis, you know, radial inwards towards the singularity, if it's parallel to that axis between the singularity and the event horizon, i.e., traveling out of the black hole, if it's emitted on the moment of crossing the line backwards out of the black hole, then it would freeze, wouldn't it? Because its full velocity would be traveling in the opposite direction to the deceleration caused by the black hole. Okay. So you would get a frozen, you would get a frozen photon. What does hmm. that mean? Uh but it's way like it's just what that would that look like a standing wave. You know what would that look like? And it's inverse, inverse like in regards to the wave function. Remove the wave Okay, so what you have is the light cones tilt themselves, because in normal space time. A light cone is vertically upwards and it's 45 degrees. It's bounded by a 45 degree angle cone that points upwards with its point at the origin, right? Yeah, yeah. And as you turn towards. If you You've just made light hole, cones slightly. It squashes your light cone such that when it hits the event horizon, the far side of the light cone is vertically parallel to the event horizon. So the most, which is i.e. the light that you're firing backwards away from you as you fall into a black hole mm-hmm. will permanently reside within the event horizon's world line. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, So you do get stationary photons. And every other possible angle of light that isn't directly backwards will get sucked into the singularity. Hmm. So you'll get a frozen image of all of the different 
photons that pass backwards. Like if you put if you put the I'm imagining it's like a telescope that sucks photons out of the black hole. Yeah, that's kind of what it is because it's just like, giving them a little bit more oomph, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, but what would you see? Like if there's like photo, if as long as the photons haven't like moved, you know, left or right relative to where they came from, theoretically you could just suck it up and you could see like it would be like it would be like your sort of drawing hoovering. It's like you're hoovering up dust. And on the surface of a black image. hole, you'd see an image appearing. You know, like you're like you're coloring it in. Casimir effect to Hoover black hole. <laughs> the leech Hoover. Frozen <laughs> Theoretical. I beg. This is. I'm not. I've, I'm yet to have seen anything about Casimir effect to look on the surface of a black hole. It does seem quite obvious, doesn't it? Yeah. Why is I'm no one not... thought of this? <laughs> Why is this? Like, it's kind of lovely, but like, also, I'm not good enough at the maths to be able to actually come to my own conclusion here. So, really, this is just going to leave us with a dead end as to whether this is possible, isn't it? Well, we're not going to, I mean, we're not going to know for sure. I guess, like, knowing what we know, it's possible. I think it probably would. I guess if you ever got close enough with the telescope, you'd be sucked in. But that's kind of obvious. Yeah, but it's like, okay, what if we forget about the telescope and we just fire it like a missile and then we have something detecting those photons on the other side? It's like, could we fire a telescope at a black hole, right? Two plates, the Casimir effect, then watch it fly into the black hole from a safe distance, right? Would we mm-hmm. then see, on the moment that it passes through the event horizon, would we see a flash? Ooh, like a, that like a flash camera. would be a photon that was trapped in the event horizon. So well, I mean, like, like if we even throw, if, it... if we throw a Casimir telescope through the black hole, will mm. it liberate something on the way in? So, are you saying that photons inside the event horizon? I think they're trapped, aren't, yeah. aren't stationary; they're just sucked in, or are they all stationary? I think there, I think there are some stationary ones. There'll be stationary ones on the event horizon. Yes, but like inside the event horizon, is does the speed of light become like? not just matched with the pull of gravitation, but does it become, like, surpassed by it and it gets sucked in? Like, light is light sucked inside? Yeah. Or is... Okay, okay. So you couldn't you couldn't rescue... Yeah. Any you couldn't the, rescue anything further in than the event horizon. Okay. But you could, but you might not even need to. Unless you could get a really significantly powerful Casimir effect. To catch them. <laughs> no, but they'd be arcing inwards, right? Yeah. And they'd be traveling in the other direction. Because what we've got to use is not, it's the innate. So the actual fundamental moment, because it's stationary. So we'd actually have to accelerate the photon. But the Casimir effect just changes the refractive index. So it may be that it just passes over the photon and the photon just stays stationary. It's like It's like having a stationary ball in a swimming pool and then suddenly changing all the water into air. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to stay stationary. Mm, yeah. So what we'd have to do is, as the moment, to, it's it's instead of that, we'd have to have a stationary ball in a swimming pool and then have a, a, a little, you know, bit of air, pocket of air, and then move it over the ball. I.e. change the refractive index slowly in a, in a motion over the ball and therefore... At different points during this motion, there's a pressure difference from one side of the ball to the other, and that causes the 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 push. I.e., Sam, mm-hmm. 
the zero energy or the energy of the vacuum behind the photon pushes the photon into the casimir tube that we've created therefore liberating it from one side of the event horizon and then maybe after that it would just pass up the casimir tube because it had that velocity anyway and at sea then it goes back into free space and because then it was it's in free space maybe a meter outside of the event horizon it could now fly back to our telescope which is on our spaceship that launched our casimir tube which we can then receive a flash of light from something we dropped into a black hole oh dude no i just that's remarkable could we do that but to be fair you could probably in theory you could see if you want to look at the photons that are trapped on an event horizon if you just smashed your face inside the event horizon those photons would like go in your eyes (laughs) like am i wrong yeah, I mean, you're right, but then they would all, well, you would just sort of smash into the photons and then take the photons with you down to the singularity. But like, as you're traveling headfirst inside the black hole, you know, the moment you go in, you get to see that image, that image plastered across your face as you as you fly inside for a split second before you're dead. Yeah, I don't know how useful that is, really. So frankly, it's the same kind of thing. But it does mean that you can, I guess, survive. I don't know. When are we going to... I mean, like... It's cool. It's cool. Theor- it's theoretically very cool, at least. Ooh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. So maybe I'm wrong. Um, the photons do not get stuck at the event horizon from their own reference frame. They are still travelling at sea. The event horizon is simply just the point where the gravity from the singularity is strong enough that the escape velocity exceeds sea. Just above the event horizon, photons can still escape the black hole, and just below, they sink into the singularity. Because the singularity is theorized to be infinitely small and of infinite density, the photons and everything else just keep falling into themselves forever. So, wait, wait, wait. is it possible? It is possible for a photon to get paused at the event horizon for a short amount of time. A photon is emitted at the event horizon will be in equilibrium right up until the black hole emits some Hawking radiation or swallows something. In ah. which case, the f- Fuck. So the event horizon is growing and shrinking at all the time, depending on whether of the black hole is eating something where it will grow and then emitting Hawking radiation constantly where it will shrink. Oh, wait a second. Yeah, we knew that. Black holes were And that little wibble, wibble wobble, is going to shake out all the photons which could be falling in or could be getting out. Damn, that, that makes things more complicated. Wait, so Hawking radiation not only emits those positrons and electrons, but as the black hole shrinks, it liberates photons that were stuck on the event horizon. I guess. Ooh. Oh, awesome. Wait, is Which that, is what, kind how, of great, because that means How come that, that doesn't always give us... Wait a second. How come we're not always seeing, like, an image on the front of the black hole, then? Well, I guess it's just not very many photons, then. Well, because that would surely imply that black holes that are eating things mm-hmm. aren't black. Like in the process of eating stuff, the event horizon gives off little pieces of light every so often. Then why don't we see that? Or Possibly because it's not eating enough all the time or it gets mixed in with when it's eating stuff, or who knows? The movie's mm-hmm. really dim. And also okay. most of the light is going to be... Because remember, it's got to be perfect conditions, Sam. The photon's got to be going along the axis radius of the black hole 
for it even yeah. to get stuck. And then once it gets stuck, it's only going to be stuck for a nanosecond, possibly oh, less. Sure. So even if we did have this chasm, this, the, the, the leech telescope. Yeah, and 50% of the time or whatever, it's most likely that it'll actually... No, as well, because Sam, because it's in the process of eating something when the photon got stuck. Yeah. The event horizon oh. is possibly growing during the process of eating something. And so it's more <sighs> likely that it's going to fall in than it's going to come out. You'd have to, it would have to be the last little piece of a star that gets eaten. The last fucking drop that gets eaten just so happens to perfectly emit one radial photon back outwards, right? That one gets stuck and trapped and then hawking radiation beats the battle against the growth of the black hole because of the stuff it's eaten and that photon then gets liberated so the conditions are really hard to achieve i see i didn't know it was impossible though that's quite interesting and also i suspect without hawking radiation you could do it with Casimir effect. Well, that explains why no one's talked about it because it's not super interesting, is it? Just sort of, it's just sort of. I mean, it's just sort I, of a, is another I, way of getting photons out. I feel like there's an application for it that was destined that hasn't been discovered yet. One day we'll figure it out. Like I, I, I like the idea of. Tell me why. Tell me why this is stupid. Getting if you get like thousands and millions of Casimir plates all lined up next to each other. You know, like a big um, and why would they all contract at once and create, uh, and create like a massive contraction? Yes, how could you make that? I don't know. Well, I mean, if they were all or, or like if they were all fixed in place, like let's say you had a torch, right? And in front of the torch, there was an attachment you can add that was like a sort of sieve, like a grate, a metal grate. And the spaces between the metal grates provided uh, like a, a decently long uh, sort of, you know, like a like a fractionating column type thing where it like separated, it, it created Casimir type effects and it created selective vacuum modes with the light you shone through that torch get sped up. Oh, wait, no, you're not in a perfect vacuum, I guess. But if you were, let's just imagine. Oh, what, you're I creating a sieve that you put on the top of a light? Yeah, like with the sieve, like, you know, like a long sieve. <laughs> what, that's con- con- like constantly stressed? Yeah, I guess it would always be pulled in, t- in towards each other, but you could fix that, I guess. You could, you could like, fasten it. Bit of sellotape. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the catamaran effect is one atmosphere of pressure. Like, it's not that hard to resist it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh... uh... Yes, but I, I don't know. I imagine like practically what that would look like would just be like you just put like a black thing over the top of your like it would just probably just emit no light, wouldn't it? What about some light? It would speedy light. Yeah, speedy light that immediately slows it's down, and when it was light. fast, was only fast for like fucking. <laughs> no, but the distances we're talking about like it is opaque it's like there are gaps between yeah woolen jumpers right like in between all the threads in your woolen jumper there are giant fucking air gaps like half your jumpers filled with air right mm. but you can't see it it looks solid because the distance between the gaps are too small i feel like it'll be the same thing with this 
if you put this sieve over the top of your thing, you would probably that's just end up with fair. it completely blacking out your... That is kind of fair. Or oh, the idea maybe, of capturing is... the last moment of something that falls into a black hole. Just that is such a precious <laughs> fucking photon to receive. Maybe this is just one of those effects that has pretty much no applications, but it just changes your entire perspective. Well, it has applications 100 million years down the line. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. To alien races. This is this is what Doctor Who's been doing. This is how TARDISes work. Like, life could have evolved to harness the magnetic effect. Yeah, it feels like a little east. It's like a it's like a teaser. It's an it's definitely an unsci-fied area of physics, which has potential to be sci-fied. Yeah, people should mention Casimir whenever referring to anything crazy because it's always like the quantum this and the fluid quantum. Yeah, <laughs> hydro thing. The like, we understand that now. The hydrochronometer. Can we just appreciate that word? <laughs> the hydrochronometer. What was that used in? Did you just okay. come up with that? Did you just come up with that right now? I think it was. It's from something. Is it really? I'm oh no! Be... It's a real thing. It, it's what do you think it is? Hydrochronometer. A, it's, a water, it's water clock. clock. Yeah. But people, I swear, it's in sci-fi. It's literally just a clock that's like a water mill. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cute. It's kind of cute. It's like it uses a pendulum, but the pendulum is water. Whoa. Is it not a thing? Okay, maybe it's not a sci-fi thing. It sounds like something Doctor Who would say. The hydrochronometer, you know? And it's like, oh, water clock. You, what, what's your water clock do? And it's just one of these dumb grandfather clocks. Where it's like water pours <laughs> from one table to the other table. It's, and it takes Absolutely crazy. The next fact just dropped the rare Italian hydrochronometer. There you go. I think that's 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 my Shanhorst effect. It's my first physics fact for a while. Yeah, that's a really bloody good one. Thanks. I feel like ending a podcast that discusses whether or not nothing is something and whether something is nothing and whether or not we can look inside black holes or what's at the edge of the universe or the start of the universe can only ever wind up with us talking about theism, religions, God. Did God make the universe? Did God make the Big Bang? What is my religion? And I know that you're usually not supposed to talk about religion or politics in podcasts. But I feel that this is such a all-encompassing religious belief that I subscribe to that it actually includes other religions and doesn't push anyone else to change their own beliefs. That's why I feel safe enough to put this in at the end. I hope you enjoy. Actually, this is quite a fun conversation. Have you heard of probability as a deity, Sam? Probability as a as a deity, like a god. Yeah, like no. a god. It's sort of like an atheist's religion. Oh yeah. Lord, that sounds like really interesting. The atheist religion. I'm I'm quite happy to say that my <laughs> god is probability. That's such a silly thing to say, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Okay, so if we go back to the idea, we'd like okay, well. It, it, under Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, we just said that mm. a vacuum isn't actually empty because you can't have a place where you're certain that nothing is there. Yeah, exactly. That would be to imply that you're certain that there's exactly zero momentum and zero position. Exactly, which means right? which Matt says no. 
So which, you can't be which sure. Math says no, and Heisenberg's uncertainty principle says no. So yeah. then we've got to allow for a little bit of wiggle room in probability that something might be there. Yeah. Such that Heisenberg, you know, uncertainty principle is fulfilled. And actually, we look at the energy time version of the uncertainty principle to determine that because it's more yeah. enjoyable. But now that we've said there's a chance of something happening, we now have to, in turn, say, because there's a chance of something happening, it therefore must happen at least once in some capacity. So we can't really say that it's not happening, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. What does that mean? That's God, though. Well, the idea of God, or the, the, the argument for God is generally that we don't know. And so there could be a God, right? Mm -hmm. like we've got our universe and people go well actually i believe in the big bang and actually that's not a game changer because you could just say well god created the big bang can't you it's just sort of a little change up in the bible you say actually it wasn't seven days it was actually one day and it was one big boom and it's just sort of happened like that instead right that still right. allows for god like the big bang doesn't prove there's no god yeah so somewhere at some point something created the universe it came from somewhere right yeah okay the only way to think of where it came from is the kind of look from the outside of the universe you've got a god working on the outside who's then tinkering the universe but actually why not think oh. of it just as outside of the universe it's entirely maths based and it's a collection of space and time and whatever it's all very ethereal and it doesn't make sense and it's time outside time and space outside space and whatnot and all you've got there all you've got there sam literally all you've got i guess mm -hmm. is the imagination of what could be there right do you get what i mean there's the probability for something yeah because it's not tethered down to anything because it's the time outside time and it's the space outside space and anything is possible because we're in the the space between worlds right mm -hmm. actually there's a probability for everything happening there right and yes. then in part because like quantum mechanics you say well there's a probability for everything well there that that for therefore means because you've considered something to have a probability it does happen at some point just because of its innate having a, pr a chance of happening, right? Yeah, okay. And so that means in this ethereal space between space place, there's the chance that the entire universe will fold out the way it did for us right now while we're recording this podcast, and I'll be sitting here and you'll be sitting there. And so where did this universe come from? Well, it came from the chance that it could be this universe, and thus our great creator is a probability itself. Oh but probability itself is just like saying three itself like it's not a concrete you know it's like it's just that's just silly <laughs> i don't like that i, I like I, I i i've had a long i've had long conversations with people and i don't think you can really beat that though you mean you can't find a better god than that not only that but I think accepting the Big Bang and then thinking what started the Big Bang, this is actually a pretty good solution for that. And if you find a Big Bang theory like, oh, it was the Big Crunch, so we came from a previous universe that started before us. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's quite easy because I can just sort of cop out and say, well, that universe got started by this probabilistic thinking, right? Mm -hmm. And if not that, then, okay, well, 
we can zoom out and you say, okay, well, there's a universe before that universe, which was before our universe. And they're sort of, ex- they're banging and crunching and banging and crunching. And so you've got a chain of universes that are banging and crunching one after the other, right? Okay. And we just happen to be in the one we're in. Well, it's an infinitely long chain then, because theoretically I could just keep tracing it back and you could keep saying, well, there was a universe before it. It's like, where can we find the the boundary between universes and the ethereal space between universes where it all started because it must have started from something outside of the universe surely or i don't then, like but time started when the universe started you know what if you, you know, there wasn't anything before it i'm quite content with that because i don't really view time as a a thing outside of space it's yeah, sort I of think a, that's fine. it's Just... sort of it's time to me the only way you can really define it is time is the evolution of space or matter in space right yeah and because matter warps space actually time is the evolution of space in many regards so that, that i mean that's how we measure it and actually it it, it it is nothing without stuff moving right yeah if everything froze even if time was passing and we were all pretending we weren't doing anything and we just pretended to stand still actually because everything's standing still time isn't passing Ooh. Do you get what I mean? That I like. Have you not so thought what if we were? No, well, not not really. Okay, what if like everything stopped? I don't know, because then I was like, what if we could somehow remain conscious while everything had frozen? Well, you but can't. It's like, you can't because you, you need no, but electrical this, signals. This, this reveals what time is, and time is just the movement of energy, isn't it? That makes it all sound ridiculously simple in a way I hadn't thought about before. Yeah, time is just stuff moving with respect to other stuff. And if stuff just chose not to move, then there wouldn't time wouldn't be passing. Fuck. That's a pretty good fact, I guess. <laughs> it's not a fact, it. but I I don't know, this is us playing into whether or not we should be more entertaining. Go ahead. Um the the deity thing though, I like if you've got the big crunch and the big bang happening consecutively for millions of universes, infinite universes long, yeah. Um, well, why can't you just? It's 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 the same as the time travel paradox, where it's like if I create a time loop where I listen to Mozart's music, think it's great, travel back in time, discover yeah. there's no Mozart, yeah. and then release Mozart's music, who wrote the original songs, right? Yeah, right. That time loop spontaneously formed. Right. It's the same thing. It's like, well, actually, you could just have. A probability of an infinite cycle of big bangs and big crunches and that's what creates it mm. yeah I, mean, I just think i just feel like making it i i understand that part of it it just feels a bit forced yeah and you're entitled to your own beliefs you're listening to the substandard model 